Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry feathered or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome. This is episode 171 of the Two Vets Talk Vets podcast. With too much talking, your pets is barely enough. Late night edition. I'm Dr. Robbie Ender, and I'm joined by a man this week who has been making sure that he has not been wearing high-vis vests because high-vis vests around Melbourne at the moment are frowned upon, particularly when you're uh, conglomerating with a whole lot of other people that shouldn't be. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you? I'm, I'm good, I'm good, Robbie. Hasn't it? Hasn't it been a week of uh, of protesters? It's interesting that... Um, they did go up on the Westgate Bridge. Uh, yes, which is uh, which is not not necessarily a million miles away from you. No, well, that's could, it, could, exactly. could you see them out of the window? Well, that's the thing. So the first thing that alerted us that might be something going on was the numbers of helicopters hovering almost over our house, really. Right, and uh, and we thought, oh, that's a bit weird. So we put on the TV or something yep. and saw, oh, they were all uh, all on the Westgate Bridge. And I did say to the girls, you know. For, for those out of Melbourne, Westgate Bridge is probably the well, at least the largest bridge, I guess, in Melbourne. Mm. Um, very, very sort of iconic bridge. Um, and I did sort of say to the girls, I said, uh, it's not often you get to go on the Westgate Bridge, girls. So you came for, for a bike ride, maybe, to, <laughs> to go up, up on the Westgate Bridge. And, and there are you know, the few flares and that sort of thing going on, a yeah. few rubber bullets going around. So, yeah, yeah. capsicum spray and, yeah, you know, things yeah, like yeah, that. You know, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's just flash, flash grenades, all those things there. They're, they're <laughs> off and so we, we decided we wouldn't go and check it out so maybe next time dad maybe next that's time. right yeah that's right and, um yeah. how, did, how did olive go with all the helicopters would she she wouldn't have been all that uh all that freaked out by it at all would she yeah no as soon as helicopter she's inside pew straight inside yeah, helicopter yeah. wind doesn't like the wind either too no. much olive hey speaks, my cat yeah. speaking of um environmental things that then cause uh cause problems i don't think we've recorded since the earthquake no, we haven't. Yes, because because yeah, Melbourne, right. Melbourne got its got its world rocked. We did, we did. We had a five point nine, didn't we, on the Richter? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So I was at work. I was um I was in the middle right. of a consult, and um I thought that one of the blocks somewhere around they must have been doing some some works because it sounded like the the earth was shaking. You know, as yeah, as often well, happens with earthquakes. That's that's yeah, kind of what happens. Yeah. yeah. Funnily enough, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, and then and then suddenly I look at the door frame and I actually see the door frame moving in the yeah, console right. room. And I said to the guy, I was really going, I think we're having an earthquake. I think I think there's currently an earthquake happening. Yeah. And then uh, and then uh, Chris, uh, my business partner, was he's come back and working for us for a little bit. He's coming out going, oh, did the earth move for you too? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, a nice. that's gee whiz. You've been, nice. you've been, you've been waiting a hundred years for the biggest uh, <laughs> recorded earthquake just to just to pass that line out, haven't you, mate? So did you come home to Christina and just uh, with the kids and just give a bit of a hey? No, the earth moving for you guys. Um, you know, did you, did you try a bit of that? Earth move. Yeah. But, um, but apparently. Our cats absolutely freaked out. So, right. like, so they went and hid under coffee tables, yeah, which yeah. is the right thing to do, I believe. That's what the movies tell us to do in earthquakes is to right. go and hide under a table and the cats knew exactly what to do. Hide under the glass coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, well, the glass yeah. coffee table's got to be used for something. 
Yeah, of course. Anyway, we'll move on from there. Um, but yeah, no, certainly Ollie've got a bit uh, spooked by it all. But uh, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of a uh, bit of chatter on the on the on the socials about do you know pets sort of can they predict that it's going to happen? Yeah. Um, and what's and the general consensus on the uh, on the world wide webs? Yeah, well, I'm not really sure what the, what the World Wide Web thinks, but I'm not sure that they do predict it necessarily. There's been a sort of chat about, oh, the birds went quiet and, you know, there was something coming because, you know, this was happening and that was happening. But I don't know, unless they sort of feel in their feet, I imagine they might feel it, the rumblings before we do. But uh, but as far as predicting it, I'm not sure that yeah. really happens. I don't no, know. no, I can't imagine it's a prediction Nostradamus style. It might more be that they could pick up you know, they might hear the sound of it more than what yeah. we can because, you know, their sense of hearing is so much better than ours. Yeah, you never yeah. know. Um, but Well, they might yeah. feel, I don't know if the actual rumblings, the, the movement in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the ground would come before the sound potentially. Oh, right. I, I don't know whether the transmission would be quicker. Uh, rumbling in the earth, or uh, or a um, or a sound, you know. Sound. This anyway. is a pretty high highbrow yeah. chat here. Lewis. For late oh, at I night, like mate. This. It's we're, late we're at pushing night, it, aren't we? The, the so- seismological edition. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Had uh, had the girls in for their vaccines. They're, they've had their first Pfizer vaccine this week. Oh, the so Pfizer. Yeah. How'd that so go? The- yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. The uh, interesting doctor, uh, you know, uh, April's a little bit worried about it. He said, oh, who's the most worried? He said, yeah, April's the most worried. And he, and he sort of said, oh, well, what I'll get you to do, April, is sort of entwine two of your fingers together, kind of kind of in your lap like that. Yeah. Um, and, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing. You know, that's an interesting. He goes, now, Dad, I just want you to grab over those fingers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Is that some kind of pressure point? He goes, no, no, it's just so she doesn't move when I give it to her. I was like, oh. Yeah, I've got both hands. That's clever. That's very clever. He's, so, been, he's been punched one too often by by a thirteen year old girl. But, you know, potentially he got an elbow to the jaw. Yeah, <laughs> my word. So there you go. Yeah, so that's that's sort of been my week. I've been on holidays, as you know. So yeah, haven't hey, had a lot lot going on. No, I had a um a funny one um during the week. I uh, saw a lady with a dog who was getting a little bit overweight and um, dogs got luxating patellas. So we spoke about, spoken about luxating patellas in the past. So patellas are your kneecap. And so luxations where instead of it sitting in the right spot in the knee, it sort of pops, usually pops inwards. Sometimes it can pop outwards, much more commonly to pop inwards. And so this little, um, it was like a little, you know, pugaleary kind of, um, kind of dog. And, uh, I said, oh, how's he moving around? Oh, you know, look, he seems to be moving okay. He's not really skipping all that much, but yeah, we're having real trouble getting him to lose weight. I said, oh, okay, right. She said, look, I'm doing, I'm trying to do everything right. I'm weighing his food and doing everything right, but it's my dad. My dad just keeps overfeeding him. She just keeps, he just keeps feeding it and feeding it and feeding it. I said, well, how about you tell your dad this? Tell your dad that if you don't, if he's, if your dad keeps on feeding it and the dog stays overweight, it's knees are going to get worse and he's going to have to pay the money to try and get it fixed. She said, that sounds terrific. I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell dad, dad, if you don't want to pay for the dog surgery, stop feeding the damn dog. So I thought, well, that's, it's the first time I've ever tried to sort of use a, like a fiscal motivation to try and motivate someone to uh, make their dog lose weight. Yeah, well, I had a similar sort of one. I had a, a, a uh, owner that brought their cat into a hypothyroid uh, cat. So hypothyroid, obviously, is thyroid gland is overactive. Um, and uh, and we'd put it on some some tablets to go on um, to try and you know, get those levels down and, and help the cat, uh, essentially. And the owner came in, uh, I think, you know, it had been 
uh, let's say four to six weeks since we started the tablet. So we just do a blood test just to check. Sounds like a reasonable time frame to yeah. do that, Lewis. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah. And <laughs> just check that check the thyroid levels are all good. And um and that uh, and so the owner came in, she said, you know, um, I've actually just uh, got the got the bo- the bottle of tablets off the shelf you know, to come in here and I've checked them. And it's been four weeks. Um, and there's certainly not the right number of tablets have been gone, have gone out of the bottle. I said, well, that's really strange. She said, she said yeah, but my husband's in charge of it, and uh, and he actually doesn't think they're necessary. So awesome. he's actually only been doing them really intermittently. And I was like, oh, okay, that seems okay. So is he having trouble giving the tablets? Because you know, we can we can get a cream. We can yes. talk about other other treatment options. options. Other, yeah, and she said, no, he actually just doesn't think the cat needs to have the treatment doesn't need it. It's, it's fine. The cat's healthy. It's no problem. Yeah. It's yeah. A figment, it's, a, it's a government conspiracy. Yeah, exactly. And, and so what I actually did is I did need to give the owner another, uh, some more tablets. I said, look, we won't do the blood test today because there's no mm-hmm. point. It's going to waste money. We, you know, we're not at the right level. Let's go another four weeks. I'll give you some more tablets sort of thing. And, uh, and she said, uh, and I said, what's so far right on the, on the actual label? I said, give one tablet twice a day. And I wrote on the label for prevention of blindness, blood clots, high blood pressure, and death. And she said, yes, if you could write that on the label, that'd be perfect. And that's what I wrote on the label. And I only just reminded me because uh, Carl saw the, the cat for a follow-up, obviously, yeah. just for the blood test coming in, uh, coming, came in today. And, um, and he saw the label I've written. He's gone, that's pretty harsh. Oh, God, yeah, it is harsh. <laughs> but that's what they wanted me to do. Did you get the job done, Carl? It did. Well, that's right. We're blood testing. Well, there's four weeks of tablets. We got the job done. You're spot on, mate. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah, perfect, so perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah. um, and also had a text this week. Um, uh, interesting, we've talked about this before, but uh, a little bit of a text from, from a neighbour that, yeah. that, that I got. Uh, uh, this is on a, a Saturday night, late at night. Sorry for the late message. Uh, if I walk a dog from a COVID positive family, what is the likelihood of spread to my dog and then us? Haven't done it yet, but wanted to check with you. Yes. And so we have got a little bit of COVID going on in the, in the neighborhood around here. So a bit of a hotbed. Yeah. So it was it's, it's sort of, you know, we, we've talked about this before, you know, a little bit um, uh, uh, on the on the podcast. And my reply was, there has been no case of anyone worldwide that I know of catching COVID from a dog. Mm. Do you concur? Yep. I concur. You are so much more likely to catch it from another human. It is primarily a human-to-human disease. Yes. I can kill. Yeah, good. Dogs can te- technically can catch, in inverted commas, it. Yes. But they don't show symptoms and don't spread it. Concur. So you concur? Good. So concur. You, can, you can potentially do a PCR test on a dog that's living with a COVID-positive person, like a little nasal swab mm. and a swab at the back of the throat, and it might show virus. But is that an infection? We're not really sure. Does it cause seroconversion as in the antibodies respond in the dog? Maybe. Yes, it mm-hmm. can sometimes. But there's no one that's ever caught it from, from their dog per se. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing to say that they'll give it to another dog either. I then went on to say your biggest risk would be if you touched a lead or collar that the COVID positive 
human had handled mm. or you met the person for the exchange. I yes. didn't think they were going to do that. But and, yeah. and sat down and had a cup it. of coffee, you uh, know, while you yeah, but that's I, right. did, did you want a couple before you yeah. take Fido for a walk? I'd love one, thank you. Yeah, now look, Fido likes walking this direction. And if we go these, these commands, I'll just show you this and that and blah blah blah. No, yeah, I'll no, show you on that. my phone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, give them the phone. <laughs> um, so I've gone, so maybe just use your own lead and collar and pick up the dog in their front yard. Um, so anything else I should have said, mate, or you think, uh, do you think I'd cover the bases there? I, I, I'd sound, sounded perfect, mate. I mean, what yeah, a, what a, what a, a succinct and, uh, highly, uh, yeah, just a real top notch bit of information giving there. Well done. What time yeah. did that text come through? You said it was late on a Saturday yeah, night. What 11 30. That's late. I am very late. That oh, I am. <laughs> no, well, that's all right. <laughs> no, no, eleven thirty p.m. It was all right. It's okay. I don't mind that. I'm happy to, you know, neighborhood service or part of the service. You know, be beautiful, beautiful. Exactly. And I, I, I got a um, I got asked an interesting question today at work that um, I, I'm I'm going to need to research, but I thought I'd just you know just sizzle and see whether or not you you know, um, client said to me today, I think my cat's tail is abnormally long. Said, is there any standard of the number of tailbones that cats have in their tail? Oh, I and, reckon and, there would be. And I said, I don't know. I said, yeah, I, I, like, we know. 11. That- 11. 11? Yeah. You think it's 11? I'll ring her up now. Hold on, mate. It's 11. I'm not a fibber. Did you just get an x ray? Just get an x ray. Where's an x ray? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just got to, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just hard to tell where the cat's <laughs> tail ends and my fingers start from where I'm holding on to the cat's tail to make sure that it stays inside of the x ray um, view. I've so got a she- feeling that it's variable. I've got a feeling that it's sort of variable between like yeah, maybe 20 to 20, 21 to 23 or something like that. Wow. That seems a lot. Just counting. I've got an x ray here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Excellent. 12, 13. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, I don't know. I don't know about if no, it must I, be. I, I, I would have thought it would be the same number. Surely. Yeah, we'll have to have a look. I'll have to look a, into it. Length, though. Length is different, obviously. Yeah, depends and, and, on the and, length and, of the and Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's all yeah. variable. I mean, this cat had a very yeah. interesting comment. Would, it, would, a, would a cat have the same number as like a mouse or a rat? Oh, a yeah, vertebra. Because- because like we know that humans and giraffes have the same number of of neck or cervical vertebrae. So, right. So so that's a thing. You know, we're, but but uh, but humans, a, dogs have got different numbers of lumbar vertebrae. I think humans have only got five, whereas dogs have got seven. Yeah, interesting. So we've got the same number of vertebrae as neck vertebrae as as yep. uh, as a giraffe. If you, if you had have, if you had have seen my uh, general knowledge um, uh, Kahoot quiz that <laughs> no. I gave you the details for, that was one of the questions. There you go. Wow, <laughs> fantastic, excellent. All righty, a big thank you to our sponsor Zilkeen, the oh, mild absolutely anxiety lowering medication, um, alpha cazozapine, excellent for for dogs or cats. Um, if if there is an anxious something uh, anxious going on in their life, uh, really good, no side effects. Uh, do highly recommend it. Get down to your pet or your pet shop or vet, sorry, vet or your pet shop um, and, and go and get it. Check out some Zilkeen. 
I hear that the uh, the Victoria Police have actually been loading up some of the capsules and um, and firing at some of the protesters to try and help to calm them down just and relax calm them. Down. Yeah, Very yeah, just nice. try and make them a little bit more compliant. Um, and I think the next thing they're going to do is they're going to start shooting vaccines at them. So, yes, that's good. You said that last week. I think that's a good idea. Slide the underworld. Yes, very nice. And also, a big thank you to Delicate Care. Absolutely, Delicate Care, Australian made, Australian owned. Over in Perth, the um the the Republic of uh, Western Australia, uh, are made from as as much Australian sourced ingredients as you possibly can. Um, they've uh, made export uh, quality uh, uh, setup there. Um, so some of their uh, some of their lines they've got uh, uh, the the dental diet. They've got a skin and stomach sensitive diet, which is for uh, which is a novel protein diet. It's got uh, duck and kangaroo. Um, also. So mobility support, weight management. Um, so yeah, really great uh, options. Got it, and they've also got the Cherish range as well, which is uh, quite a good option if you're looking for a a, a pet shop based uh, diet. You can pick up Cherish, um, but it's made from the same factory with all the same high quality ingredients, and also with a uh, a lot of uh, scientific backing on what goes into their recipes too. Exactly, the prof in on that, isn't he? The prof. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. And also big thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, we certainly do appreciate you guys and uh, uh, definitely uh, gets us gets us uh, late at night recording on a, what night is it? I'm on holidays. I believe Wednesday. it's a Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Thank yeah, you. Well, at least thank it you. was when we started it. We'll see what time it is when we finish it once you receive another text message. <laughs> so true, 11.30 text message coming right up. <laughs> All righty. Excellent, mate. Now you have got the heavy hitter, haven't you? You are... Uh, Yes. You wanted to take this topic on, and I think uh, I think it's a good art. Well, not a good article, but uh, uh, certainly got some. Um, oh my goodness! Got tongues wagging and tails uh, tails flicking and uh, everything going in the vet. Got some community. really really cross people going on uh, over the uh, on the weekend. So uh, this was published on Saturday morning uh, by uh, Julius Dennis on ABC News. Um, it was called the high. The title is. High cost of veterinary care at major chains causing pets to be unnecessarily euthanized, senior vets say. So as a fairly uh, provocative uh, you know, lead-in title there. Mm. You know, the, the, the ABC usually is a you know a trusted news source, and I think there's some some you know interesting uh, interesting things that are on here. So uh, we start off. Senior veterinarians say it is cheaper for some pet owners to travel interstate for their pet surgery than attend major vet chains and referral hospitals who charge high fees and in some cases offer staff commission for invoicing additional services. Oh, wow. Yeah. Brisbane-based vet Scott Plummer said the rise of veterinary chains and the shift from all-purpose vets to a focus on referrals and specialization had changed the structure of the industry and the cost of modern pet care was causing animals to be unnecessarily put down. The whole underlying issue is we euthanize animals purely because of cost, Dr. Plummer said. Um, and if you've got, if you want to jump in you know, at any point and sort of, you know, unpick any of it, just uh, jump in or do you want me to go through it and then we'll... Uh, no, go. I go along. I go yep, talk cool. about it as we go. I think. I think. Look, that sort of thing, the euthanasia of of animals, um, because owners can't afford treatment. Unfortunately, that's something that's always happened. It's um, yep. it's a horrible part of our job, mm. um, in that uh, that we can't treat every animal. Unfortunately, that that comes in the door um, for free. You know, we yes, we love animals, but we also 
um, we, we're, we're a private business. Um, most of us are, are private businesses. Um, and it's not just possible for us to, to continually treat everything that comes um, uh, through the door on a, on a, um, a free, free basis. Free, yeah. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, I, you know, certainly um, fees, uh, veterinary fees over time have, have gone up possibly mm. certainly, certainly uh, over time and, and the techniques and the, the equipment that we've got and, and the, the diagnostics, the diagnostic and the options yep. we've got have certainly, certainly increased, but I think we've still got a lot of those options that are more economical, perhaps, you know, still, still available to us. And I, I don't think certainly my experience is I'm not euthanizing more animals on a, a bit, uh, an owner's inability to, to fund treatment than I was 20 years ago. I don't know what you think, mate. No, I think, I think one of the big things with that, Lewis, is that you look at it and say, so there are, you, you hit it with a nail, nail on the head of options, you know, yeah. options, not option, you know, Sometimes there is only one option. Dog that's eaten a, a, a corn cob and it's stuck in the small intestine, there is only one option. Surgery or or you've got to have them put to sleep. And that's that's just what it is. It's not something that can it can happen. No dog's ever died from not being able to have a, a, a specific uh, cruciate ligament surgery. Mm. You know, mm. there's there are options mm. you know um not every person that's a dog has a cancer will elect to go for chemotherapy but yes. there are options for what you can go for to try and palliate that dog to try and make them still have a good quality of life you're never going to cure them of the, like I'm, we're not expecting with rosie that she's going to be cured of her lymphoma but we know that we have prolonged and extended her period of quality of life so um so i think it's a bit um you know, it's a bit loaded there saying that, uh, you know, that it's because of the um, the focus on referrals and specialization that the uh, cost of modern pet care was causing animals to be unnecessarily put down. Mm. I agree with you. That's a bit, unfortunately been a reality of our profession, you know, right from the start. Yeah. Um, there's no Medicare for pets. You pay or they die. So that's not, oh. you know, that, that, that's not, uh, you know, loading the... Uh, <laughs> loading, the, loading the forceful messaging on too hard is it oh, it just sounds terrible and if demand is there you can keep pushing prices because no one is pushing back it's only going to go one way Dr. Plummer mm. and his business partner Damien McGinley who have 53 years of industry experience between them you know that's like saying that Christina and I we've got you know nearly 80 years of life experience between us <laughs> You well, know? mate, we've got we've got forty something, forty two. Absolutely, industry experience doesn't make me yeah. any better when I was. We had ten. Well, no, maybe, I, don't I wouldn't I don't have know. thought so. I don't know. Anyway, um, said that some clients had travelled from as far away as Darwin and the New South Wales Southern Highlands to visit their clinic because it was cheaper than attending one of the major chains, despite the added cost of interstate travel. Dan Blackwell said he travelled from southern New South Wales with his dog Angel to Dr. Plummer's clinic when he was faced with a surgery bill between five and $8,000. He said there was no real guarantee that the surgery wasn't going to have complications and be more expensive. Instead, he drove interstate and paid Dr. Plummer $3,000 for Angel's surgery. Dr. McGinley said that overcharging in after-hour centres was common practice. Oh, Pete, wow, mate. That's... Uh... Gee whiz. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, 
Oh, I uh, why, take umbrage why, to that. Yeah, yeah, why why are you taking umbrage to that, Lewis? Let's let's um w- work on that one. Why are oh, we saying just... saying that they that after hours clinics are overcharging? Why do they charge what they do? Well, they they after hours clinics they're, they're there all got, night. Yeah, they've got an important yeah. job. I mean, they they they're there all night, so I can go to bed. You know, yes, like, you know the 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 after hours care that, that they do is yes, it's more expensive. Uh, yes, it's it's costly, um, but that that's for a reason that it's like that. It's it's after hours. It's um, you know, it's not just because it's expensive doesn't mean it's sort of overcharging. I I just that really just devalues the amazing work that ER vets do. That they're working those graveyard shifts, those those really difficult shifts. And they're there to fix anything at the at the, at the horrible hours of night. So, mm. what do you reckon? So the fact that yes, it costs money to go in there, but there's a pl- plenty of reason for that. There's a, there's so much infrastructure. If you're going to open up an emergency center, the amount of equipment that they need to purchase, the fact that they need to pay for staff to be there all night, um, unfortunately, yes, it's going to it's going to cost money. Like back, gone are the days of where the majority of clinics would have after hours services. To be honest, gone are the days where GPs um, have after hours yeah. services. That in Australia, that's called triple zero, and then people go to the hospital. You know, so why should vets be expected to do after hours stuff as well? But why should those emergency vets then expected to be working for for next time? It's 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 going to cost, um, and they don't spend your money without talking to you about it. They're always going to then give you the options. Um, the the article goes on. Um, uh, yeah, people. So this is Dr. McGinley. People have come in uh, having been to an emergency practice the night before, having spent $1,200 on a dog that has vomiting and diarrhea. They haven't actually treated the dog with anything and they come to you having spent all their money. So I think from what he's inferring there is that $1,200 was to walk in the door because they, they obviously, to quote, they haven't actually treated the dog with anything. I find that hard to believe. Lewis, yeah. do you find that oh, hard to believe? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, well, you know, for that sort of money, I think, you know, you definitely it would have been on some fluids, it would have had some medication. Um, we had some blood tests. Blood tests, maybe blood an ultrasound. Test, maybe an x-ray to check and make sure it doesn't have something else going on. Or, or an ultrasound, yeah. And yeah. and then he's got the benefit of all those tests too when it's come to his clinic. That's right. Mm. Um, uh, Dr. McGinley then goes on, you do one simple test like a rectal smear, get the cytology, uh, look at the bacteria. There's your problem. The dog's got food poisoning. Now, you know, we were talking before we went on air about just how good you were at microbiology, Lewis, when you're back at uni. Do you remember what those food poisoning bacteria look like on the rectal smear and how you tell the difference between those and the, I don't know, say, 100,000 other bacteria that you get that it's in feces? Because poo is full of bacteria. Do you remember that particular lesson, Lewis? Because I don't. Well, um, I have to say that uh, Dr. McGinley, I mean, I've, I've been out 20 years. Maybe he's been out longer. Maybe, Maybe he remembers that lecture. Yes. That, that I'd missed, but I don't know myself of a rectal smear that I can diagnose food poisoning from and potentially uh, even a test Yeah, uh, would be difficult to think of. I suppose you could do a culture and, 
might give you some idea if you did a culture and then you did a culture on the food that had been eaten and testing yep. and blah, 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 that sort of thing. But I certainly couldn't get my little cotton tip, just wipe it around the dog's bottom and then put it on the microscope and go, yes, it was that rotten steak that you fed two nights ago that's caused it. And, and the other thing that Dr. McGinley doesn't talk about then in that article is that what he does then with that, uh, with that assessment that the dog's got food poisoning. Does any send the dog away without any treatment at all? You know, because if the dog's presented mm. with vomiting and diarrhea and then he's diagnosed as having food poisoning, does he say, sorry, Mrs. Jones, your dog's got food poisoning. There's nothing I can do. But the good news is I've diagnosed that with a $25 cytology smear. Thank you very much. See the nurse on your way out. Well, is he charging for that smear? Who knows? Who knows? He wouldn't do it in the... Anyway, yeah, let's, let's not do yeah, that. Yeah, well, I, I um, certainly, you know, I mean, that that's... Uh, I, I, you know... Some reporters do take poetic licenses. I've certainly been misquoted in articles in uh, yep. in, in my career, and i i would I would give Dr. McGinley the benefit of the doubt. Excellent that um, that uh, he did not quote, even though it's in quotation marks. Say say what that was said. So yeah, and, and, we should and, get him on the show. Why not? Why not? Let's <laughs> see. Let's see if he'd like to rebuttal. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Maybe, maybe you'd like to check a, a, a routine cytology of our of our rebuttal. Um, mm. the, the Australian Veterinary Association said compared to human medicine, the variability in vet fees was very apparent to the consumer due to a lack of government subsidisation. Magdalene Arwad, friend of the show, yes, um, Mags. is is the chief veterinary officer at Green Cross, a growing vet chain with more than 170 clinics. She said there were several challenges facing the vet industry, including a skill shortage. All oh, of yeah. our practice. All of our practitioners are facing daily pressure similar to what we're seeing in many other parts of the healthcare system, and there aren't enough vets in Australia to fill the current demand in this sector, Dr. Awad said. This is driven largely by the increased number of pets in Australia since the start of the pandemic. The next little subheading, the rise of corporate vet clinics. Well, it's not just the rise in number of the pets. It's also, I think, attrition rate of vets too and that also are leaving the profession because of a lot of pressures that are placed on them, like in this article. Yes, that absolutely. That we are money hungry, that we don't care for animals, that we're overcharging, uh, that, um, you know, that uh, that the vet down the road's cheaper. Yep. All yep. these pressures put on us. Oh, you know, um, I have to euthanize an animal because an owner can't afford treatment. Happens. Yep. Happens absolutely, sometimes. and they're, they're reasons that the that vets are leaving the industry. And this this article, I'd hate to say it, is, is uh, really feeds into that for many many of us. Really triggering. So huge triggering things for mm. a lot of vets. You know, mm. um, yep. uh, Dr. Plummer said many retiring vets were opting to sell their practices to bigger vet chains such as Green Cross and Vet Partners, which meant a change in how pets and their owners were handled and charged. Well, he why said, is that? Why? Why are many retiring vets selling to those clinics? Robbie, do you got any thoughts? Um, so there's a couple couple of yeah. thoughts I've got. You know, um, <laughs> um, one is that there's not you know, there, there may not be vets that want to um, take on those businesses for these very reasons that it is. You know, I, we were talking again off air of the, the struggles that um, that I go through as being a business owner, you know, finding staff, you know, um, dealing with uh, with angry clients, de- you know, um, just 
Yeah, just mm. normal run run of the mill things. Yo, know, mm. how do we pay for our um? What are we paying for rent? Do we need to put another vet on? Where do we find another vet from? Uh, you know, I'm I'm having to work extra hours because that's that's my job. That's what I've got to do it because I'm the boss. So a lot and a lot of younger vets don't want to own businesses mm. anymore, which is what they always did do, but now they don't. Um, and the corporates are there and they want to buy them out. So you know, and they're paying more too. I they pay it. They pay well, a lot. They pay a lot of backing. Yeah, they've got a huge, a huge amount of capital there, so they can pay these retiring vets a lot. So mm, spot on, mate. Exactly. Um, yep. He said that uh, previously many vets performed surgeries, but now vet clinics largely acted as funnels to vet hospitals and after-hours clinics. The rise of Green Cross, owned by TPG Capital and Vet Partners, owned by German private equity firm at JAB Holdings, has a strong presence over the industry. Green Cross also owns referral hospitals and each acquisition sees clinics rebranded to become part of the network of clinics. Green Cross also owns pet supplies giant Pet Barn, as well as 10 animal emergency centers across the nation, including four in Southeast Queensland. Vet Partners operates 197 clinics and referral hospitals, but unlike Green Cross, Vet Partners operates operates under a join us, stay you model where clinics keep their name and staff, but operate within the Vet Partner system. Research from think tank Ibis World yes, compared skip in- Skip through that, mate. I don't think that's relevant. Yeah, let's go to this, Good yeah, on you. the next heading. Let's, let's get to the next one. Yeah. Yep. Um, staff, staff commission for extra yep. services, a moral bind. Multiple sources in, uh, confirmed to the ABC that it was not uncommon for after-hours clinics to link commissions to services they invoiced. Chris Jensen, a retired vet of 47 years, said there is absolutely no doubt that at some after-hours centres, they have incentives for staff to charge people as much as possible. A lot of them will get financial reward for what they generate above their salary, Dr. Jensen said. Have, have you... Have you heard of this? Have you have you heard of incentivization at after hours clinics? I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't know. I, I don't not, know. Not incentivization, but it might be that it's um, that they're uh, like I was reading a um, a letter from um, a, a, a specialist who runs an emergency center that they that one of the pricing structures that they have for their staff that they're paid a base wage, but then depending on the work that they do, that they get a, a percentage of that, but not incentivized. It's not going to be a thing of, you know, I guess it's that difference between if you do a certain number of things then you're going to get a certain amount of money, it's more going to be, if you're doing work, like people don't go out hitting dogs with their cars. So then they come into an emergency center, the vets that are there can only do stuff on the things that come through the door. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. But that's only just coming out from from this. But uh, it's still not a big thing. It's I, I I certainly don't hear of people flocking to emergency work because they go, oh my goodness, I can't wait to get on this incentivized pay scheme. Yeah. No. No. Definitely. And they're hardworking. They are vets. Very hard. Absolutely. Working. Okay. Um, However, Dr. Awad said uh, Green Cross vets were not remunerated by commission within our GP or emergency practices, and compensation is certainly not a driver of clinical decisions. Yeah. So Green Cross, big, the big players in uh, – one of the big players in uh, the Australian corporate veterinary world um, – there they say, right, well, they're not paid commission. This other, uh, this other uh, vet – uh, he's not doesn't work with these guys. You know, it's a he works for a different emergency center. But there's Green Cross. You know, they're the ones that were pointed their finger at saying these guys are paying mm. paying commission, and it turns out they're not. Mm. 
Spokesperson for Bet Partners said staff at clinics across Australia operated under a salary-based remuneration model. So basically, you get paid your wage. You do your work, yeah, you right. get your wage. So the big, the two big ones that he's going on about that uh, the big players that they don't pay commissions. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, right. there you go. So so yeah, the, main, right. the main evils the people in the uh, in the article don't actually do what the article says they do. Yeah. Right. Dr. Plummer said he was shocked by the concept of financial reward for add-on services as it provided a, as it provided a clear incentive to overcharge. Richard Birchall, a Sunshine Coast vet who worked in an after-hours centre that commissioned uh, its vets, said it put him in a moral bind. I can remember having a client I knew very well and I knew she was wealthy. I knew that I could do the procedure after hours and earn a commission on it or I could wait until Monday and I wouldn't earn commission on it, Dr. Birchall said. I ended up waiting and doing it on Monday because I didn't want it to be a case of me doing it and then, then to make money on it. It must be a case of what's best for this dog. Dr. Birchall said that he believed people needed to be rewarded for hard work, but a commissioning system puts people in a difficult position. If I did it, I felt maybe I was doing it for commission, but if I didn't do it, I felt maybe it was because I didn't want it to appear that way. Well, I don't know, mate. As as a vet myself, I treat what I see, what needs to be treated, you know, and like you said, it's options, giving options to the owner. Um, yeah, gosh, it's um, it's an interesting little bind, isn't it? You know, um, um, you know, if if you own your own clinic, um, and you're the business owner of the clinic, and you, I guess, in a sense, you're uh, profiting from seeing animals, mm-hmm. is that a similar sort of thing? It's, it's it would seem it's a similar sort of potentially sort of similar sort of model in that if I do the surgery, the gold standard surgery on this dog and it doesn't need it, then I'm going to get profit for my, for my clinic. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, gosh, it's a, it's, it's a interesting can of worms there. Well, uh, because you're absolutely right. What is the difference? You know, is it the difference because, so my staff who get paid a, a wage, you know, they're um, so, you know, we don't have it as a, as an incentivized thing where if you do, you know, if you get one dental out of every seven consults, then your pay is going to go up. No, not at all. You get paid a salary, you do your work and then, and then you get paid, you paid your salary. But yes, as the business owner, well, whatever the, um, the profiter comes, well, yes, that goes to me so that I can pay my, many mortgages yeah. and then yeah. my kids can eat and you know i get to you know and enjoy a, a few craft beers on a friday night while i sit down and watch thor ragnarok for the 16th time on disney plus i'm sorry craft, but yes craft that's... beers mate gee whiz things are looking up at the, uh, at the, the anderson house oh, woo, gee oh, whiz. we're on rolling. a carton draft here mate Just, oh are you yeah. excellent yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah right so, no, of course but, yeah but you know yeah. and, and like i i I look at it, you know, for, for me, I I don't actually find a moral bind in it because I'm more than happy to talk myself or talk a client out of surgery if I don't think it has to happen. Yeah. Like we had a puppy yeah. that came in the other day that had been bitten by a dog, um, uh, came in late at night, came in the next day so that we could have a look at it. Um, actually, I came in um, uh, over the weekend and so it was started on antibiotics and so it came in on the Monday to be assessed to see whether or not it needed to be stitched up. The wound was sealed. There was no swelling there and the owner came in, puppy was fasted, ready to come in and have, the, um, have it anesthetized and have it stitched up. So the wound's closing over, mate. Let's leave mm. it. You know, like mm. if you're uh, if you're happy to leave it, I don't think we need to do surgery on your dog. Yeah. I think your dog is going to go fine without it. 
Absolutely. I could have said, oh, well, you're here for the surgery. I can jump in there and do it. But no, I'm going to talk it out of it because I've, I, I, I don't have that moral bind because I like to be able to, you know, sleep at night. But, yeah. you know, I don't know. I guess I can't talk for, you know, if, if Dr. Birchall's speaking of, um, you know, from personal experience, I guess we can't, you know, yeah. um, can't discount that unless, as you say, they've been misquoted. But, you know, mm, it's again, it, there's it, a lot of quotation it, marks there. Certainly tars the brush of the amazing ER vets that are out there, I think, to, yeah. to sort of put them all in this bracket of, you know, they're all commissioned and money hungry and, you know. Yeah, I, I just think, in it to gouge. Uh, exactly. I think majority of us vets are vets because we want to do the best by pets. Mm, really? Uh, Green Cross, oh, well, I think because we've chosen this as our vocation, you know, the, and and that part of that vocation is that we uh, we do our job, we get paid a wage because we're trying to do the right thing for the animals. You know, like as you said, you said earlier, you know, it's not it's not a charity. We're not doing it as a non for profit thing. We're doing it because we are trying to, um, you know, we are, we are part of a small business. But that small business is doing the right thing by the animals because that's what that's what we're behoven to do via our um, by our vet board, yeah, by our registration. Um, one former Green Cross vet alleged that in the early uh, in that in early 2020, vets were told at a meeting attended by numerous regional managers not to extract animals' teeth even when necessary, but to instead just scale them and then tell the client that the gums need time to heal after the scale and rebook and requote for three weeks. This way, we can charge for two anaesthetics. Oh, wow. No, no, but they haven't actually put the name to who that former Green Cross vet yeah. is, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've certainly heard of staging being done yeah. with dental I've, procedures. I've, I've, I've heard of that too. If you've got a, an, an old dog that's got, you know, that, that a prolonged anesthetic might not be a good idea mm. and you're needing to remove a lot of teeth, it might be a good idea to stage, you know, you yeah. might do half of one side. Like I've, I sometimes won't take out two lower, um, yeah. two lower canines because I'm worried that I could fracture the jaw. So I'd rather take one out, let the bone fill in and then take out the other one. Yeah. Once the jaws healed and, and is a lot stronger. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not doing it just so I can do another anesthetic procedure at all. And no. I, 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 yeah, gosh, I don't know about that. Again, I hope there's some misquoting. I hope it doesn't there. happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly I've been to lectures where, you know, the the specialist um, dental vet has said, you know, staging is fine. Like as yep. in one procedure workout, you know, like you said, it's an older dog. You take X-ray. It's got got no bone there. It's got a lot of infection. That sort of thing. You you might uh, that might be all you do. You might take out a few loose teeth and say, look, yeah, come back in a month's time. Here are some antibiotics. Let's redo this. You know, I don't want to break the jaw. So. I, yeah, I, I would. I would like. Uh, I'd like to give that former Green Cross vet the benefit of the doubt that they've been misquoted. Misquoted. Yes. Yeah. Because. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 something I've never heard of. No. Just um, for the anaesthetic charge. No. Yeah. Um, however, Dr. Award said, uh, yeah, as it says here, Dr. Award says Green Cross staff made decisions based on their clinical judgment. When performing dental surgery, the full extent of the procedure is only known after the animal is placed under anesthesia. A full examination of the mouth is performed and dental radiographs are taken and evaluated, she said. Our veterinarians may decide to stage a dental procedure over a couple of anesthetics based on their clinical judgment once they know the extent of the disease process. Oh, she's been listening to the podcast already oh, once again yeah how'd she get that that was quick wow 
Um, uh, clients are then able to make an informed decision regarding their pet's treatment. All our vets have clinical autonomy to manage their patients as we would expect of any medical profession, which, as you say, is common sense because in the end, Green Cross aren't going to be the ones that uh, that a vet is going to have to face if they're brought up for a um, you know, a negligence charge. You know, it's going to be the vet board. So in the end, you know, no vet is going to well, I, I, you would hope that no vet is going to uh, curtail to that sort of thing of saying, oh look, don't don't do that. Just just uh, you know, make make sure you can get uh, get two anaesthetics out of it. Because gee whiz, if that goes to the vet board, you know, you ain't got a leg to stand on. So, you know, and, and, you know, yeah, I just, that really irritated me reading that part. Cause it's like, my goodness, Joe, again, in just one article where potentially someone hopefully has been misquoted that, it's like far out. Yeah. You don't know what it's like. You could look in there and the dog, the dog yeah. could have had a heart murmur. The dog could have had bad blood mm. pressure and they've taken out six teeth and gone, you know what, we're, we're going to take out these really bad ones. And then we're going to come back and have a go at it another day. And hopefully the dog's going to you know, be feeling better. And that's going to lessen the anesthetic time for the next time. You know, um, I, you know, it makes clinical sense if that's the right thing that the vet wants to do. Mm. Anyway. Um, Help for cash-strapped pet owners. The Animal Welfare League Queensland, a not-for-profit organisation started 60 years ago by a group of volunteers, provides low-cost veterinary services for cash-strapped pet owners. John Gilmore has worked at AWLQ for more than two decades and said people could attend regardless if they have absolutely no money and we will provide care for their pet. We consider their cases on a case-by-case basis. Often we provide either complete or partial charity, Dr. Gilmore said. Kirsty Wayne took her five-month-old puppy Lola to AWLQ when she was diagnosed with tetanus, a costly health issue that can last for weeks. Ms. Way said AWLQ offered her financial help within the first week and she felt lucky her family was spared the heartbreak of losing Lola simply because they could not afford the treatment to save her life. So that's the end of that article. And yes, it did spurn a little bit of interest in the veterinary community within about 15 minutes of it being published on Saturday morning. Yeah. I went back to that post, mate. I think it was 299 comments in the end on that. So it yeah. really, really stirred some vets about, you know, throwing uh, throwing us all un- under the bus, you know, really, you know, in, in the sense that, um, you know, there's, there's so much in there. I think we picked it apart well enough, but just to, just can set us back as a profession, I think, just just portraying things that, that perhaps sort of aren't uh, aren't really sort of ring true in the general sense of the profession. It's it's mm. one vet's experience um, or two vets at, at the one clinic. And I mean, you know, they talk about, um, you know, the variation of fees between vets and there's no, um, I certainly don't disagree with that. There, there's definitely variation between vets um, from, from city to rural, from yeah. from street to street. Potentially, there can be variation mm-hmm. in fees, and and also because, there can be because fa- if there wasn't, then that's then that's insider trading. You know, if yes, every if yes. every vet charged exactly the same, then that's that's not fair. That then then people would be up in arms saying that we were colluding. Yeah, well, that's right, and I mean. And in that way, they're also, as we sort of mentioned, there are certain procedures. You can have a gold standard procedure, which is going off to your specialist clinic. But then there also are some procedures that can be done at your GP vet, which is which mm. is cheaper. I'll sort of uh, uh, a little analogy I'll run by you, mate, see how it goes. Yeah. I'll look at it like Lay it uh, on me. like a um, uh, like getting a cup of coffee. Now, I know yep. you're not a coffee guy. 
No, so no. Look, yeah, but but I like just the smell of it. But bear with me. So you can have your your gold standard coffee. You can go for your organic soy micro lot macchiato with pumpkin shavings in Turak. Yep. And get your hit, get your hit of coffee and enjoy your hit of coffee. Or the, you can the one, go. The, the, one or that the, the, the one that the one that that lemurs you know crapped out the arakaba ar- ar- beans. Yeah. Or you can go to um have your little international roast at, at the Waverley Vet Clinic staff room. You know, there's you, you can you can take either yep. way. That, that, that you want to go, they're all going to give you the desired hit of caffeine. Yes. Your, your Turak Shop Espresso maybe give you a bit better hit, a bit quicker, give you a little bit more of a pep up than the, than the, the quarter of a teaspoon in the, in the, uh, the lukewarm water. At the, at the, well, you've got to really dig it room. out because it's at, been in there for six the, years. Yeah. At the tea room. And, and I mean, then, you know, you're going to pay. You know, in Turak, you might pay you five dollars. I don't know what might, that sort of coffee might be. Maybe a bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Whereas you could get your international roasts, which you know, well, might be your Seven Eleven, your one dollar cup of coffee yep. at Seven Eleven. So, so all of them are going to give the same thing—a little hit of caffeine. Yeah. But one is perhaps more desirable potentially if you're into your macchiatos than the other one. But they're all going to end up at the same outcome. So, yeah, yeah, it gives you a little bit of a yeah, just. Uh, a little analogy there. Yep, I, I liken it to hamburgers. You know, you could you could go to McDonald's and get yourself a a, a, a massive hamburger for five bucks. Go for it. You know, you can absolutely wipe yourself out. I probably prefer to go and get a hamburger made from a a local a local little hamburger. I'll pay a little bit more for it. Support a local business. A little bit of a it, wagyu beef sort of minced up one, mate. Just uh, just down at the local shop there. Just wag you, local- wag me, whoever wants to wag. <laughs> that's fine. Um, uh, whatever you, you know, that. But as a consumer, I get to make that choice. You know, yeah. um, and and that's what in the end you get to do as a vet as well, or as a, as a, as a pet owner, you get to make that consumer choice. Yes. It's going to cost you to go and get veterinary care. I'm sorry, but it is. Mm. But if you feel like you're getting it, you know, I, the, the, thankfully the rare times where we have people that come in and complain, go, Look, if you feel like you're not getting uh, value for the care that we're giving you, well then, that's fine. Let us know where you want us to send your history, and yeah. you can go. You, mm. you can go somewhere else because obviously you don't trust what it is that we're trying to tell you. Obviously, we don't have that relationship that that you need in order to trust us. Would you like to go somewhere else and try and get it? Because there's no point me trying to do something and upsetting someone. Um, I'm not about to try and ring up a massive bill for someone just to then go. Oh well, there you go. I've I've done that. To no, you know, if I'm if we're going to go on a journey, there needs to be that level of trust because yes, trust. while most of the time things go right, sometimes it doesn't go right, and I need those people to trust that I've got them and their pets' best interests at heart if we're going to go on that journey together. Exactly. I mean, the classic one with with that that price is is the, is the knee surgery is, yes. is the cruciate cruciate rupture and and yes, you can go and get your organic soy macchiato, micro lot pumpkin shavings. The works go off to the specialist center. Yep. Have the TPLO done. You know, have have X rays done. Have the uh, you know the scans done. Go into the joint. Have the TPLO surgery. That the gold standard, the mm-hmm. best breast procedure, which is done by a specialist, most yep. likely to give you the best outcome that that's going to be. Yes, it's your two-hour coffee. It's the most expensive. But you can also then come back. I'm not saying you're going to get some international roast surgery mm. down at, um, at, at the clinic, but, but you could go to your local vet and get a procedure that that is similar but will give you a similar outcome 
but perhaps there might be some a lot more lameness involved with that, and uh, and it, there's not as much. Um, it's it's not the gold standard, but but it will give you potentially in the end a similar outcome. Both get that hit of caffeine, just get around it at a, at a different way. Yeah, and and I guess well, on on that it it really gets into the the, the nitty gritty of what the different outcomes of the surgeries are. I mean, the most important thing is that you know. 20 years ago when we graduated before we started cutting holes in dogs bones to try and do their cruciates, they all kind of only had the one surgery, you know, regardless of their size, you know? So, mm. you know, there's, you know, some, some, you know, there, were few, th- there were a few different surgeries in those days, mate. Remember the, uh, the, the thread, the ligament through the joint. Oh yeah. Don't worry. I've, I've, strip, I've of thread- the, strip of the patella the, or whatever it was. The, yeah. um, the, the fascia, the fascia yes. lata. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't mate, I've done that too. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've stitched it up and done it and then realized but, that it made no different to doing anything else, but you know, doing the normal one. So, so yeah, it's, um, yeah, the, the main thing is, is, you know, yeah. yes, specialists are going to, are going to cost money, but it, you know, going and seeing a specialist human you know, physician is yeah. going to cost you more than going and seeing a GP. And that's, and that's even with Medicare. So but, you, know, you can't expect to go and see a veterinary specialist. It's not going to cost you. Yeah. But I think the, the thing that these guys are saying, you know, if it was in the, in the article, if it was a knee surgery to saying that, well, our procedure is three thousand dollars, but they wanted to go, you know, charge them to go to the specialist to five to eight, you know, five mm. to eight thousand dollars. I mean, that's where the difference comes in. It may just be it's a different type of surgery. Yeah. Um, you know, one's one's gold standard, the other one will potentially get you the same uh to the same spot, might have more risks, might have more potential chance of complications. Um, and and just sort of straight out just comparing on a price, that's not really feeding the whole picture that's the big issue and i think the other the other thing that's in tricky on that just to throw a cat in the pigeons amongst that too is it kind of depends on who you're talking to as well you know and what you want to hear you know if you go and you go and speak to one person they say that oh it's going to cost you eight thousand dollars for a procedure and you go and talk to someone who's go oh, i can do the exact same yeah. procedure for three thousand dollars you know the, on the go Oh my Who's God. the hero? You know? Who's the hero? Oh my goodness. You know, how, yeah. how, how good's that? That's that's worthy of an ABC article, isn't it? And and that's the thing. That's mm. the tricky part. So makes good makes good makes good uh makes good articles. Yeah. Good good Saturday morning Clickbait. articles. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So I think I think the big thing is like a I'm more the more than happy to talk to people. Like, hey, look, I've, even if I'm not going to do the surgery, I'll talk to you about what I think the options are between the one and the one and the two. But you know, whoever's going to do the surgery always thinks that their surgery is going to be you know as good as what anyone else's is. Otherwise, yes. they wouldn't do the surgery. Yes. You know, yes. if if they, if they thought that their surgery was going to be worse than someone else's. You're not going to do that. You can say, "Oh, now look, my I'm definitely not as good at, as, as this guy down the road, mm. but I'll but I'll still give it a shot for you, and I'll charge you the same amount." No, not at all. So, and if you want to see the prices for uh, Scott Plumbers and Damien Damien McGlynnis, don't 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 even give them any more plugs. It, They've got it, a, it is yeah. on their website. Yeah, they've got their prices listed. That's which is interesting to say the least, because like I just said, there's a lot of variation between every surgery that you do. So yeah, we'll just leave that there. What do you reckon, mate? Absolutely. And and we yeah. We've uh, we've done that pretty well, I reckon. We are running a bit short of time, I reckon. I reckon, we, um, I reckon we, we pull up stumps, mate, and we hit everything else so. the next time. Sounds like a good plan, mate, I reckon. Uh, 
Quick, quick disclaimer, just uh, so it gets Oh, sued. of course, yes, yeah. All advice on this show is generally <laughs> nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following advice for your pet. Do our best to provide the most up-to-date information as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if you missed anything or if you need any clarification. Communication, people. Communication, yeah. communication, communication. Talk to your vet. Talk to somebody. You know, get a second opinion if you want. There's no harm in getting a second opinion, you know, so we'll send an emailing to us if you've got send a, an email not to us. non-urgent non-urgent query no non-urgent query because yes. we're a bit slow on the emails but if you've got a query about should I why am I having this surgery what which surgery should I go with and you don't mind us talking about it on the podcast because we probably yeah. will yeah because we'd love to hear from you so yeah, email exactly. us at, email us at two vets talk pets at gmail.com you can find us on patreon you can find us on all the other things whatever Lewis is say you know sign me up for telegram telegram what's telegram? telegram you're on telegram it's oh it's it's uh it's more for it's anonymous i think or something oh is it right encrypted okay. encrypted encrypted yeah is, it, is so, that the one where these guys keep trying to meet up with uh tell each other where to yes. meet up for the protests yes we're going on the westgate right. bridge today guys Beauty. Yes, good stuff oh bring the barbecue it's gone full circle that's good nice. we've done well <laughs> excellent. excellent Alrighty, guys scratch you later peace out everyone bye thanks for listening to two vets talk pets with lewis and robbie to chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions search two vets talk pets on facebook twitter and instagram or send an email to two vets talk pets at gmail.com you can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at VetBehaviorist. And more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle. <laughs>